0: into action. Today, we're speaking with Bianca Leos. Bianca was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. She received her Bachelor's of Arts in Biochemistry and Mathematics from Bowdoin College in 2014. She's currently part of the class of 2019 at the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts University. She's interested in the veterinary field of shelter medicine, specifically high-quality, high-volume spay and neuter programs. Assisting with controlling the pet population problem is one of her main interests, but improving the quality of life and welfare of animals already in shelters is important to her as well. Bianca, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So I really want to thank you so much for joining me today as you are in the middle of finals week. So I appreciate you taking 45 minutes of your of your precious study time away to be able to join us on the show. So I thank you again for that. I wanted to ask you, how did you get interested and started in animal welfare? So it actually started
1: after I began veterinary school. So I came in thinking I was going to do large animal medicine, mostly equine. And then I interned at a horse rescue. I was like, maybe this is where my path is, the rescue area. So during the second semester of first year, they offer a welfare selective course. So I decided I might as well take that to see if I really was going to go into the rescue field then it would help me out. And then once taking that course, it really got me motivated into thinking more about shelter medicine and how much more I feel like I could help animals in need rather than just kind of uh, family pets. I know family pets, are, like are they get sick and they definitely need uh, medical attention, but I just felt like I can do more for those that don't have anybody there for them. And so Tufts actually offers kind of like this shelter medicine route. And it's basically just taking certain selectives each semester. So I decided after the welfare selective, I would take the shelter medicine selective. And then that's the one where it just clicked. And I was like, yes, shelter medicine, that's what I'm going to do high quality, high volume spay and neuter. It's so nice up here in the Northeast because there are hardly any stray dogs. You can hardly find a puppy to adopt. And then back in the South, back in Texas, there are just stray animals all over the place. And I feel like I can definitely take what I learned up here back to Texas and try to help out down there.
0: So what was it like when you entered the uh, spay-neuter clinic that Tufts has? What was it like for you as a student first time going into an experience like that?
1: So it was actually it was a little overwhelming just because I didn't realize the extent of the spay-neuter clinic. They can do up to 80, 90 cats in one clinic, and I had never seen anything like that before. And the main reason I actually went in is because you volunteer at certain stations and there are a certain number of stations. And when you finish them, you are able to actually perform spays and neuters yourself. So that's mostly what I went in for. I was like, well, I can go in and get some practice on spaying and neutering. But then I saw the extent of how many cats were there how many people are there to help the cat and people come from all sort of backgrounds. So it was just, it was a little overwhelming, but really it was in a good way.
0: Well, do you think that was one thing that was able to really teach you or inform you as to what the overpopulation situation is like for community cats? Oh yeah,
1: definitely. I never really thought of community cats as something that was an issue or something that was happening. I knew that there are stray cats. In fact, Back in Texas, my two cats that I say that I own are, I guess you could consider community cats because they came to us and they live outside. But I always just thought of them as they're my cats. They, I feed them. They live around my area. (laughs) And that's how a lot of people were. And I just never really thought that it was kind of a problem or that there were so many of them around. So after going to the cat clinic and actually seeing the high numbers that we get each time, Uh, Yeah, definitely opened my eyes a little.
0: (laughs) Do you feel that many of the students that are in veterinary school in general don't have an understanding of what the overpopulation situation is like around the country?
1: I don't think, I'm pretty sure a lot of students have some sort of understanding that, that there is a population problem, especially up here in the Northeast. I just think the difference, there's a lot less talk about it down in the South, I think. So I just didn't really think about, oh, like there are stray dogs everywhere. It's it's the norm. Like that's how it is. There are cats everywhere. That's just how it is. And so I didn't, like, I knew that there was a population problem, but I just didn't realize that you there was something that you could do about it. So when I came up here and there's no stray dogs, they're working really hard on spaying and neutering, I was like, whoa there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there is something you can do. So I think a lot of people do know that. It's just just really thinking about the impact that you can make to help it.
0: As you continue through your veterinary training, and it sounds like you are thinking about the things that you can do after school, say you had unlimited resources, what would you do to help community cats?
1: I would like to partner up. If I had unlimited resources, I would like to partner up with an organization that already kind of has their ground set and just help them kind of expand their programs if they have any. And I would definitely take it all back home to Texas because I know up here in the Northeast, there's a good amount of work and there. You can actually see a difference in the population. So going back home to Texas and just trying to help expand the programs, help get the word out that these programs exist. I think that's mostly the problem is that people just don't know that there are things that you can do or these programs that are available for low-income people.
0: So one other thing, a big topic that I get with a lot of the younger veterinarians that I know is that when they graduate from school, they feel like they have to work in private practice for a while to be able to help with paying off loans. They feel they'll make more money in private practice. Do you feel that that's the case, or or do you feel that by working in shelter medicine that you're not making those compromises?
1: I definitely do think that's actually more of my plan is to when I graduate, work several years in as a general practitioner, pay off some loans, get my life set, and then eventually go into shelter medicine as a full time. I would definitely try to volunteer and work at the shelter like Span neuter during working at a general practice, but making shelter medicine a full-time job, I think I would definitely wait a little while. And also I feel that working, if you, mentorship after graduation is a huge thing. So working in a practice where there are other doctors to help you out for the first couple of years will definitely be a lot less stressful and get you through those first couple of years, which I hear are really hard on people. So it just gives you the practice, it gives you the financial stability, and then you're able to go into something that maybe is not as financially stable, such as shelter medicine. But there are people who definitely go straight into shelter medicine. So it's not something that you can't do, it's just something that... It might just be like an easier route, which is how I see it to go into general practice first.
0: But yet, then there's a couple of years of high-volume surgeries you might be missing out on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is true. (laughs) But also, you practice a little more when you're, I guess, with less stress in a general practice. Like, I will be practicing and working on getting faster, and then by the time I get into shelter medicine, then I should be able to go full speed.
0: Kitten season is upon us, and do we have a webinar for you. Listen and chat with Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady, on Saturday, June 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern time and learn everything you need to know about saving kittens' lives. She'll be talking all about kittens and bottle babies, too. This webinar will cover the ins and outs of kittens, including an overview of issues impacting cats and kittens... How to set up your home, manage your time, and make fostering fun. How to properly feed, clean, and provide basic medical care to a kitten. How to get involved in your local community. To sign up, go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the link on the homepage to sign up. We'll see you then. Does your organization not have a clear vision of what its goals and objectives are? Does it seem like everyone on your board has a different idea of what you should be doing and how to do it? Well, I can help you with a visioning workshop. I offer affordable, quick and painless strategic planning services for a small organization. I can even offer my services virtually. Are you interested? Just reach out to me at Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com. I mean, the other thing, too, is you can bring some of the progressive things that you're learning at school into that general practice. Some of the concepts are, you know, early age spay neuter which some general practices are still recommending spaying and neutering at six months of age or older. And so it's great to be able to get early age spay, neuter. I also think that as like in New England, where we're dealing with smaller volumes of community cats, now that we've been so aggressive over the years, that we're gonna be dependent upon our smaller practices, our private practices, to handle that maintenance load of community cat spay-neuter that we need. So instead of doing a 20 cat or a 50 cat colony, you're going to be doing four to six community cats that are sort of the, the near big colony situation, but they haven't exploded yet. And having those general practices aware of the techniques of being able to handle community cats, being able to handle cats in traps, and not be all weirded out about it is really very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually know I spoke with a woman named Mary Peng in China, who's trying to work with a community cat initiative that will get community cat spay and neuter programs in all the private practices in the Beijing area, and so I think it's a really interesting program and really interesting idea and concept to think about when we're talking about the future of community cats down the road. Now I know we've been talking about Texas, and there are some parts of Texas that are doing really well. There are organizations like Emancipet and Austin Pets Alive that are doing really well, but then there's certainly other parts of Texas where there's a lot. Lot of work that still needs to be done. And so there are some great organizations that you could connect with down there, even if you're just down there on a volunteer level or, you know, visiting or whatever. Also for veterinarians that work for nonprofits, there are some loan forgiveness programs. I'm not sure what the time frame is, but there are some benefits for veterinarians who are working for nonprofits in being able to get some of their loans uh, forgiven, so it's something also to consider when looking at your future package. So, coming from a large animal interest in when you were in Texas before that, so were you interested in like horses and large animals when you were in high school?
1: So, actually, I I loved horses my entire life, just because like my father and my grandfather loved horses. I think it was part of their influence. But I have actually never had a lot of experience with horses. I mean, we had a family friend, and we would go ride. Every once in a while. But then, once those horses got too old for riding, it kind of just ended with that. And I just thought of them all as beautiful creatures. And I really just want to work with them for the rest of my life. And then, when I started interning at the horse rescue, I realized that I knew absolutely nothing about horses and I knew nothing of the horse world or horse people. And so, after that, after kind of working with horses for a while, uh, I still thought that they're great, but it's just something I felt like I didn't have all the information or kind of just like the instinct to work with them.
0: So what's it like being a veterinary student? If there was someone out there in high school who is thinking about becoming a veterinarian, are there things that you would recommend that they do or they think about while they're in high school or in college before considering applying to veterinary school? Things that you might have not considered? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: I would say volunteer... At shelters, get if you don't have a lot of animal experience, go volunteer out wherever you can that there are animals. Shadow veterinarians. That's one thing that I didn't do until my second year of college. I didn't start shadowing veterinarians until then. And there's a certain required amount of hours that you have to get in before you can even apply. So I was trying to just squeeze in as many hours as I could in the last like two years before I could apply. But it's not just trying to get hours in for an application. It's actually seeing how a veterinary office works and seeing if this is truly what you want to do. Because it is a lot of work. It is a lot of money. And it's kind of hard when you come in and then you decide, this actually isn't what I want to do. So just go out, try different shelters, different veterinarians, try to get something from each field, try a large animal vet, try a small animal vet, an exotic vet, just something from everything and you don't have to decide. You may know that you want to do veterinary medicine, and you may know that working with animals is something you want to do, but you don't have to know exactly what you want to do when you come in. People always changing their minds, but the veterinary field offers so much in any career. Basically, there's any career path you could take once you're a veterinarian.
0: So for those of the folks out there that might not be familiar with the terminology, in your mind, what is shelter medicine?
1: So shelter medicine, I see as just working with those animals that aren't owned. So basically those that are in shelters or those that are strays, those in rescues. And it's just kind of helping improve their welfare, improve any problems that they have, such as the population problem. And also just kind of like the behavior that they exhibit when they're in an unknown environment. So that's like a big thing in the shelters. You're bringing in animals that have absolutely no idea what's going on. They're in a cage. They don't know when they're going to get out of this cage, and thus their behavior is just going to be completely different than if they were at home on a couch or outside in a tree or something.
0: What has been the hardest thing that you've had to do so far at veterinary school? The hardest
1: thing, I guess, is just being able to focus and get the inform- all the information in. Um, there's just so much information that you have to absorb in such a short amount of time. So I think it's just basically trying to learn everything and then just thinking about animals' lives are going to depend on me one day, and I really need to know this information. But there's just so much that sometimes it could be a little discouraging.
0: And what gets you all excited? Like, what's the what's like a highlight?
1: Just knowing that when I get something right when there are cases. Usually they give us cases about certain animals, and then you have to try to figure out what's wrong with them. And when you get it right and you know, and you get that feeling, it's like, yes, I do know what I'm doing. (laughs) Maybe one day I can help many animals. That's just the motivation I have. It's like one day I will be able to know what's wrong with an animal and I'll be able to help it.
0: That's great. So Bianca, if folks are interested in finding out more about Tufts, the veterinary school there, how would they do that? So
1: you could just go look up, it's the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts University. So you could look up Tufts and then get a link through there, or you could just directly Google Cummings School. And then it'll send you to anywhere about the academics, how to apply, the shelter programs that they have, the spay and neuter programs that they have, and then the hospitals. We have exotic wildlife, large animal and small animal hospital.
0: And Bianca, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Uh, yeah, just
1: anybody interested in this field, you can do it. It's a lot of hard work, but it's definitely worth it. And even... If you feel like you can't do it or there's a certain bump in the road, I've had many bumps in the road, don't worry, (laughs) you will get there.
0: That's great. That's great. And I definitely would like to reiterate your statement of even if you are working in private practice, that you have an intention to continue to volunteer your time to help spay-neuter clinic on a weekend Even just helping with doing rounds at a local foster based shelter or at the local shelter helping with rounds, there's a huge learning curve. Of different cases, talk about cases. The amount of cases that we had going through the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society was tremendous. We were always learning new things, and the veterinarians that we had volunteering their time to do rounds did some, you know, incredible research for us. So I just, if you are a private practice veterinarian, it would be fantastic. And I know time is of the essence. And I know private practice is extremely busy and you're working long hours, but if you can carve out even just an hour to every couple of months, even, you know, any help is great help. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, Bianca, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show and I hope we'll have you on in the future, maybe when you graduate.
1: Oh yeah. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope to be back and share my wisdom of the beyond the graduation life.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to a community cats podcast. I would really appreciate it. If you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.